So Holy Spirit, we are just grateful. We're thankful to be together. Lord, I thank you for even just an hour of corporate worship and teaching and prayer. Lord, just just a short moment together, even two, three, four, five people, we know you're with us. And so we ask for you to come and encounter us right now, Lord. Thank you for that refreshing time of worship. We long for the day where we get to see you come again, Lord Jesus, and be with you forever. What a day that will be, O oh God. Until then, Father, we, we press on. As Paul said, we press on to know Jesus we forget those things that are behind, whether they were bad or good. We, we press into the very highest things you've called us to on this side of eternity. And we thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you would say to our hearts tonight through your word and help me as I communicate. I ask for much grace both to share and for all of us to hear what you would say to our hearts tonight in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. I'm just going to do one last technology check very quickly. Okay, we're good here, we're good here, okay. And my head's not cut off, Brother David? We're good, okay. Well, we've been on this topic of prayer. Well, we've, we've, we're a house of prayer. <laughs> so we, we value prayer and we teach about prayer. But I've been specifically doing a series on prayer. But last week I took some time off and I talked about the woman who met Jesus at the well. I want to encourage you to listen to that message if you, if you didn't hear it. But just such a, such a powerful moment. I mean, here's someone who is on their sixth marriage is totally rejected by people in her town. And Jesus says, I really like her. I'm going to meet with her. And I'm going to turn her into, into an, uh, an evangelist in her city. And because of her, there was a revival in Samaria. And sometimes when we think revivalist, we don't think woman at the well. And it's really important that we understand Jesus thinks woman at the well for the job title revivalist. And so I, uh, I wanted to just take a week to focus on that. But, but this week we're back to the, uh, the topic at hand. So the title tonight is Prayer, Jesus Taught Persistence. And so I'm just going to say right off the bat, what I want us to get out of tonight's message is that faith... Faith in prayer is almost totally synonymous with persistence in prayer. I want you to begin to make that mental, kind of that mental connection because we think, okay, James said, pray in faith. I got to just say it louder. I think. <laughs> if I just am really intense in that prayer meeting, it's faith, you know, and we we. It really doesn't have anything to do with volume. It doesn't have anything to do with us working ourselves up. The, the notion of praying with faith really means we just keep praying and we keep going before God saying, Lord, you said it, would you do it? And eventually that breakthrough comes. 
So I've got about four main bullets here. It's so hard for me to stay within a half-hour window, so I will check my watch regularly to keep on track. But let's start in Luke chapter 18. Jesus devotes a parable. He devotes eight verses on this very topic. Now, Jesus taught much on prayer. We have a lot of verses on him actually praying. We have a lot of apostolic prayers in the New Testament. We have many prayers in the Old Testament. The Bible's full of prayer. And yet, Jesus devotes a parable specific to the issue of persistence. And I love, I just love Luke 18, verse 1. He says, he, says, he's, he, uh, he teaches a parable so that people would not give up prayer. That's the title of the parable. He speaks a parable that men would always pray and not give up. <laughs> I just love this. Because he knew we'd want to give up. And so here he's like, guys, I'm going to teach you a parable so that you will know not to give up. Here's the interesting thing. It's an odd parable. It's not the parable I would pick to teach be persistent in prayer. I would teach a little child came to mom and dad asking for candy over and over and over again until the dad broke down and gave him candy. That's what happens in our house. The Lord, a little bit smarter than all of us, well, way smarter. He says there's this judge who did not fear God and he did not respect people that much. He's, he's judged, but he doesn't, he's not God-fearing. He doesn't really care about people that much. But there's this widow, totally disadvantaged. A, a widow in that society, you are very disadvantaged. That's the point. It's not mostly like the widow's the big point. It's just here's the person most disadvantaged in society, keeps coming to this judge, get justice for me. Someone did something wrong to me, give me justice. He wouldn't for a while. This judge doesn't fear God, doesn't really care about people, wouldn't, but afterward says, you know what? I don't fear God and I don't regard man, but she keeps troubling me. I'll just do what she wants. It says this, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And Jesus is trying to create a contrast in our minds. He wants us to think, okay, unjust judge over here who doesn't care about people, God over here who does care about people. If this person will break down and give this widow justice, how much more God, who really is just and true and fair and does care about people and is a righteous judge, how much will he, if we continue to come to him, not break down and do what we want, but out of the overflow of his love say, here it is. And so this is the parable he's teaching. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? If that guy over here, this unjust judge, will break down and just, okay, lady, you're just wearying me with all this continual requesting. Jesus says, 
If you in this room who are elect of God, chosen to know Jesus, if you pray continually, how much more will he answer you? I love how he says, Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew it was going to be a prayer movement that would precede his return. And so he specifies what continual looks like. It looks like day and night prayer. Shall God not avenge his own elect? It's like he's saying, well, you okay back then? It's good preaching. I'm knocking kids off chairs now. <laughs> we already had one tooth fall out in the house of prayer tonight. Now we got God shaking things. You okay, bud? <laughs> that was fun. It's almost like, you know, when Jesus said earlier, if you dads who are evil will give good things to your kids, how much more will my father who has no evil in him, give you the Holy Spirit, give you more consequential things. I mean, if my kids come to me and say, Dad, I want a bike. Dad, I want a bike. If I want to give them a bike, how much more does God want to give them a bike? Or a Lego set, or candy, or whatever, within reason, of course. Jesus is saying, if we continually come to Him. If we pray in the day, if we pray in the night, it will seem like the answer tarries for a season. It will seem like nothing's happening. Jesus says, I tell you, He will avenge them speedily. In the scope of eternity, there will be a speedy answer to people who do this. And then he tags on the eschatology at the end, which I love. He says, nevertheless, will the son of, when the Son of Man comes, talking about himself, will he really find faith on the earth? In other words, will the church look like this just before he comes back? My conviction is, is that the closer we get to His return, Christian faith will look like day and night prayer. More and more. In other words, there will be this growing understanding, we are a house of prayer. We are a priesthood. Like the Bible said, we talk to God. We, we send up prayers and He sends down answers. And I think one of the reasons we're going to need such a strong prayer life is because there will be so many injustices absolutely exploding on planet earth it will be such a unique time of history with so many pressures and glories there will need to be an intercessory entity called the church functioning in its highest level of power for the sake of humanity i mean there's going to need to be people on earth saying, Lord, release justice in this situation. And then, boom, God breaks in because they asked. Jesus taught this remarkable relationship between God's sovereign plan and our human responsibility. And where it meets is called prayer. And when we ask God to do things, what He was planning, it just crashes into prayer 
the here and the now. There's so much I want to say about this, but what I want you to take away, I'm just going to say it a few times. It's not unbelief to keep praying. It is faith. And I've heard over the years, people say, Derek, I I just... You know that one verse where it says pray once and then let it go? That's not in the Bible. You might have heard it from some guy or it might have, you know, there's certainly references in apocryphal literature, but when it comes to what Jesus taught in the apostles and the prophets from Genesis to Revelation, there's a clear, keep praying. The answer comes. God avenges. And so never feel like you can't just keep going and asking for those things. Let's go down to number two. Jesus tells us clearly, out of his own mouth, keep asking. Matthew 7, 7 7-8. This is the HCSB. I like how this is translated because the Greek writing of this verse is a like a continual activity sense. And so it's not just ask, seek, and knock. It's the idea is keep asking, keep searching, keep knocking, and it will be given and you will find and the door will be opened is the idea. He says in verse 8, everyone who asks receives. The one who searches finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus clearly teaching I love how Charles Spurgeon summarizes this idea. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous preachers of all time, kind of wish he was around today to set some things straight, but we're given who we have. Charles Spurgeon says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. Spurgeon says, asking is the rule of the kingdom. How does the kingdom of God function in our life? We say, Father, would you do this thing? And he does that thing. Now, certainly as we grow and as we mature, we are asking for what he wants based on scripture. We don't just pray all day, Lord, give me Lamborghinis and mansions and make me richer than Jeff Bezos. I want to, you know, we, we obviously learn to pray in the will of God. But I will say this, there will be some Christians like Joseph who they'll pray for the money and the money will come and God will give it to them because they're faithful. And they'll finance the kingdom. They'll finance missions. And they'll build small businesses that put people to work and create a kingdom culture in their community. I think there's a lot of people, they've been faithful and little, and God's about to give them more. I mean, He wants solid believers to have wealth so that His agenda can go forward. John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He says it clear. Ask and you'll receive. One thing I want to do as a prayer guy is convince prayer people that prayer works. It's so easy to get disillusioned and and feel like nothing's ever changed. Oh, I want to reach those people so bad because things do change. And sometimes a lot changes in a hurry if we just don't give up. 
You know, I would liken to the season we are in is somewhat similar, not as intense as when the disciples found themselves in a season where, you know, it, they were so disillusioned with like Jesus had died and now he's resurrected and ascended and it's just everything's different and what just happened? Oh my goodness. And was that real? Was that even real? What What is going on? And so they go to the upper room and they're you know, no air conditioning, there's no windows, there's just, they're just there praying. Didn't seem like anything was happening until the Holy Spirit showed up a week later and boom, revival just broke out. A lot can change in a hurry. Some people get disillusioned even with revival. I get it. It's hard to believe for something year after year after year and not see it. We've got to keep our heart in a place of great faith for these things because God wants to do it. Matthew 21, 22, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Guys, this wasn't written by a hyper-faith preacher. This was Jesus. <laughs> whatever things you ask in prayer, you believe for it, I'm going to do it. Well, but Derek, but the... This is stuff he said. Guys, I'm believing for beyond Book of Acts. I'm believing for beyond that revival. Why not? Why not believe for a transformed city that touches the world? I'd rather go to my grave believing for something like that than just resign to half-hearted Christianity. Oh man, what, what would it look like if revival just blazed through central Illinois and touched every business and hospital and church? And We'd need it to start here first though because we need it the most, but I'm talking about starting everywhere and revival springing up. Every, we need that so bad. That was a great place to say amen, preacher. <laughs> Woo-hoo! I had a great conversation with a pastor today, a pastor in our city, man, and I just got stirred, just like-minded, just let's believe for the biggest thing ever, man. Okay, James 5.16. So we got Jesus preaches the widow and the judge. He tells us himself, keep asking. And then he, um, well, let me just do this first. There were instances where Jesus would actually himself pray the same things over and over. We see that in Mark 14, 39. So he cautioned us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7, don't do the vain babblings, don't do the, the useless babblings, vain repetitions thing. But that doesn't mean we throw out persistence in prayer because even Jesus persisted in prayer. In Mark fourteen thirty nine, he was praying. It says he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. Three times he says the same similar concepts. I mean, he's God praying to God. It's like, what do you, how do you figure that out? But if he did it, we do it. And I don't think we should come to the prayer room and pray the same thing every single time. But if people want to, it's not against the rules. I mean, my kids pray for Legos and they get a lot of Legos. I mean, I just, <laughs> I mean, God seems to like Legos, so. 
I just think there's so much that we think, eh, I don't know, I don't know if God wants to do that. But he just wants to because he's our father. Matthew 5, 16 to 18. James, who is Jesus' half-brother, grows up in the same house as Jesus. I mean, imagine that. Imagine hearing Jesus pray as, as like a young kid. I mean, that, that must have been wow. So once James comes to know the Lord, he's thinking back on, oh my goodness, I, like God is in my house. <laughs> I just think a lot of things connected once he started following the Lord. But he says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one or another that you may be healed. And then he says the well-known Verse, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, NIV says it's powerful and effective. Then he throws in this tidbit. It's one of the coolest things on prayer. He says, remember Elijah? Like the mighty Elijah that we put on a pedestal? The man that called fire down and smote the Baal worshipers and all that? That guy? He goes, that guy's human just like us. Just a man just like us. He prayed and stuff happened. And you can pray and stuff will happen. I love the way he says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Or another way to say it is he was a man like us. He was human. He didn't have access to something we, we can't have access to. He just obeyed God. Here's the thing. We can see what Elijah saw if we simply pray. He just took up God at his word and he, God, I believe, so I'm just going to pray. And it says he prayed earnestly. The idea there again, not yelling all day, is just he stuck with it. He prayed, and again he prayed, and again he prayed. And God says, that's earnest. He's not quitting. And so I'm just going to do it. And again, Elijah was in a place where he knew what God's will was. And so he knew the Lord wanted to hold off rain to get the attention of Israel to do something in a deeper level. So, that, so Elijah, what's interesting, he prays and he prays and he prays. Rain stops for years. All of a sudden, everybody's like, what's going on? Then when God had his way, then Elijah prays again, the rain comes. So we've got a guy controlling the weather through intercession. But it's actually doing what God wants to do. You see where we could go with prayer? Not that we call the shots. I'm just saying this. God wants there to be a corporate Elijah on earth that is so in tune with him that we're praying things and releasing things that's affecting Realities, so people can come into a greater relationship with Jesus. There's a verse that says, uh, when it says at Jesus' baptism, it says that uh, Jesus prayed, it says the heavens open. I'm like, oh my, I can't imagine the authority on his life. He just says a word and heavens open, spirit comes down. There's just certain verses I look at and I go, we have not even scratched the surface. I mean, imagine you just saying, Jesus, and something opens, a spirit falls on. I mean, come on, people. 
Man, I read through the, I mean, I'm reading through Acts right now. Every time I read through the Acts, I just get, I see the difference between me and them and I'm jealous. I'm like, Lord, I want this. But it says they just laid hands and the Holy Spirit just filled people. They just, bro, let me pray for you. Boom. Filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. That, that quick. And then we got Simon's like, let me get some of that. Here, here, take my money. Give me that. And they're like, dude, it doesn't work that way. Come on, you got you to pray. I mean, we're going to have to deal with this stuff. When God pours out his Spirit, you got people trying to buy the anointing. By the way, let me just throw this in. You can't buy the anointing. So don't try to. I don't care what the preacher on TV says. You can't buy the anointing. You can't buy healing. $1,000, $10,000, don't even... It grieves my heart that there are people that will peddle that, but you can't buy it. It comes by faith. You just ask, Jesus, touch me. Anyway, back to the message. I've got to close this so quick. Praying with faith and praying with persistence. I'm just going to say it's possibly even synonymous, those two thoughts. But at the very least, I'll say they're joined at the hip. The next time someone says, we need greater faith, just kind of go, I, okay, I, I know what that means. You know, just, we got to keep praying. Guys, I've done prayer meetings for 20 years. I have very big dreams. I've seen a lot of people quit because the revival didn't come in their three-year time window. We just can't quit. I think of Anna. Oh my goodness, sweet Anna. She's widowed at a young age in her uh, early 20s, likely. <laughs> she goes into the temple probably to just make sense of what just happened and God convinces her to stay. And she stayed in that temple day and night, did not leave for the rest of her life until she saw Jesus. Scholars don't fully agree on what the 84 means in that text. It could mean she was 84, or it could mean that it was 84 years after she was widowed, and so she was at least 84 upwards, or also she could have been 105. This, this woman could have been 105, which means she spent 80 years in the prayer room. I got too many messages flying tonight. What does that mean? It sometimes feels like such a waste. It sometimes feels like what is even happening when so much is truly happening. And I'm sure Anna had a lot of days where it's like, Lord, where? But she stuck with it. She went her whole life. And when Jesus showed up as a little baby in the temple, guess what? Anna was the most relevant person in the world. She knew Jesus. She knew God like no one else in that town. So she starts evangelizing. I mean, she literally got launched into ministry at 84 years old, at least, potentially 105. I've met with and prayed with many elderly people, and I've met 70 and 80-year-olds who say, Derek, I just want to know what God wants me to do with my life. You know what? Sometimes God commissions you when you're 84 or you're 105. We just keep praying. 
Some people get released as moment they get saved. Saul, he gets saved, boom, apostle right away. Others, they just stay in the temple waiting on that commissioning, waiting on that thing to be sent out to do. Meanwhile, she's heaven and earth are being altered because of that woman's prayers. Okay, that was extra. I'm not going to (laughs) charge. I'm just kidding. Okay. Let me just, again, a concluding thought. From time to time, someone comes up to me, no, let's not pray that again. We're just going to leave it in God's hands. I'm just going to say it once. And that's, if I keep saying it, it's unbelief. And that sounds so noble, it's just not biblical. Jesus wants us to ask again and again, Lord, send revival. Lord, save that family member. Lord, break in in that place that's so hard. Why does He want us to do that? To inform Him? No, He knows everything. Jesus taught that in Matthew 6. He already knows. He wants the connection. And those things that are burning in our heart, when we continue to present those to Him, we get a little bit more of Him every time we talk to Him. His presence touches us a little more when we talk to Him. We are the beneficiaries. And then He does it. (laughs) He knows we need Him more than He needs us. The Bible upholds and endorses the vitality of persistent prayer. We're to ask God again and again. Not religiously. Again, not this vain repetition. I have to inform you. I have to pray perfectly or else you won't do it. Not that religious version of things. Lord, touch the city. Hour later, Lord, touch the city. Next day, break in. And I've been doing this for 20 years. So many prayers. I'm just going to keep praying and praying and praying. And I get more convinced of it each time I do. And I believe little things do happen each time we pray. Despite what your feelings or my feelings preach, remember, prayer is never neutral. It's always powerful. James says, You're praying, it's powerful, and it's effective, and it's doing stuff, so keep going. Jesus taught persistence. Amen. Close right there, and I'll just go to the second. No, (laughs) just one message tonight. So Lord, just uh, I just ask Holy Spirit right now, I just speak grace over my friends who've gathered here tonight. I speak grace over those listening. Grace over those hearing this recording. I ask that You would refresh us in prayer and remind us You called us not to quit. I pray for those who've pulled back a little bit in prayer. They've given up altogether. I ask for the grace to sign up again. We break off condemnation. We break off shame. And we ask for a releasing of faith, especially on intercessors tonight in our community, in our nation, and around the world, Father. Re-enlist intercessors in Jesus' name. Bless this gathering as we uh, conclude tonight. 
I pray for all those who've joined here, God. I ask for a spirit of encouragement on them as they go about their evening and their weekend and into next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we'll tune out here real quick, Facebook, so thanks for tuning in if anybody's still on there. All right. Amen. Okay.